and we're live with our 177th episode of Absolute Absec. I'm Ken Johnson at CK Tricky on Twitter, joined by my co-host Seth Law at Seth Law on Twitter. Seth, say hi. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. How is everyone today? Hey, um, thanks for joining us once again. Uh, Ken and I are back from the islands, per se, right? Uh, having gone to the mythical Locomocosec. Um, I, I can confirm it does exist after, <laughs> what, like three or four years of being, you know, crap not for not going there. But then again, we didn't see the, the normal crowd that was there. So, uh, you know... I still don't believe that everybody goes. Anyway, um, outside of that, uh, Ken and I, we had another great session of Practical Secure Code Review. Um, Some really, really good uh, teams and analysis of open source projects. Uh, Probably one of the best sessions that we've had. Right, Ken? Yeah, I would say the findings from from, uh, the teams were incredible. Like, it was very impressive. And I think we gave them two hours, two and a half hours before of, of, you know, breaking out to, you know, basically build out their notes, structure, like structure out their source code review, what what they're going to focus on, um, get their notes into ship shape before delivering them and presenting in front of everyone. And honestly, it was just incredible. I mean, like they, they found stuff, they documented things very, very well. Um, Obviously, the point of this isn't to find vulnerabilities. Uh, I mean, it is like in the professional sense, but for that exercise specifically, we we wanted to see that they followed the process. So not not only did they do that super well, I mean, super well, but uh, they, um, yeah, they also found some stuff. So it was cool. It's really cool, man. It's always fun. Yeah. Always fun to see it work. It was a a really good one, right? Like I was super impressed actually with the, with the students that were there. I mean, overall, I think, you know, um, there was a lot of large tech organizations that sponsor Locomoco and then they also send employees. Um, and that was probably part of it. Um, it, this, this one did reiterate to me that we, you and I have been doing this for a while because it felt like all the, all the people that were there, at least in our course were kids basically compared to yeah, I'm getting old, right? That's the, that, that's that, what it boils down to. Yeah, I had that conversation with my team, though. You know, we were out and uh, just hanging out after a dinner. Um, yeah, I went to like a little local dive bar type thing, and um, we're just talking. And you know, that, that's basically what I said to them was it's it's weird to be to be at this spot uh, in mm-hmm. life where you're kind of passing the torch on to the next group of folks and they're like wait 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 you still have like 20 you know a good 20 years at least of working i'm like yeah yeah for sure but my but the technical contribution or the contributions themselves change right like it's not and i'm not saying you know there's not like technical things that we do that's obviously not the the case but what it is is more of an an, uh, realization that yeah it's time to start um passing along um basically every everything you've learned all the experiences all the you know what's in your what's in your head what you've accrued and um giving that to to other folks and it's uh you know building them up and and that's the, that's a different it's just a mental different it's just a mental switch and a difference in how you i guess perceive i don't know philosophically your career where you're at your existence i don't i don't know how to say but it is an odd feeling when you do reach that point where you're like oh i'm i'm the person that's now mentoring and and you know building up that next next wave of people so it's interesting yeah i mean and i think that's to be expected right like um i don't know it it does kind of sneak up on us right Uh, well it definitely did right but then uh, not really as well, because I think about the way we structured, you know, especially this course specifically um, was more of, hey, there's not enough people talking about this actual process. There's not people that are are trying to level others up. There is a lot. And we, we still just see this quite a bit in the industry as people are proving themselves, right? Quote, unquote, right? And right. You, I know you and I have done that for years as well. You know, oh, we've got to go speak at Black Hat. Oh, we've got to go speak at DEF CON. Um, got to prove Write that we're technical tools, enough. Yeah. Make some videos, make some blog posts, release tools, like I said. Yeah. Talk yeah. about them at conferences. 
do the whole circuit thing. Yeah. Which is, I mean, which is still useful and it's still possible, possible, right. For anyone in their career, but it does like at some point it shifts to, Hey, how can I share this knowledge and I can help other people as well. Um, I don't know. Right. Like, you know, 200 episodes close to it in it, uh, the podcast too. This makes you think a little bit. So. Sure. It, it definitely was a period of reflection. That's for sure. You know, it, maybe, it maybe it was, it was just sitting by, you know, on the beach by the pool. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. that inspired you, it as well. Yeah. It, <laughs> I don't know. Gives you time to think. No, it's cool though. I mean, I like it. I like the, uh, I like giving people what, you know, uh, I don't know. Just, uh, yeah, I think it's cool to see people build them to help, to help people build themselves up. It's pretty nice. Um, yeah. And this, and like, you know, this industry has done, this career field has done obviously wonders for my life. So yep. it's cool to, to see it um, have the same effect for others. So, yeah, I don't know. Very, I mean, so beyond that, like the, the Locomoco scene itself too, what you, you mentioned like heavy tech companies, um, and, you know, I think it's important to recognize that like without, so two things, one is without those, those tech companies, these things don't like, we don't have these, you know, conferences because honestly, the yep. price of a ticket never covers the cost of building these, uh, of, of the building these events. Right. So you need those sponsors. So that's the first thing is go check out the sponsor for Locomoco if you, you know, if you can. And, and yeah. uh, but the, the second thing is, um, you know, just like it's nice that I think a conference, the, one of the reasons I like like apps at Cali and Locomoco is I enjoy conferences that um, you can go and learn from your peers and also like have conversations. I mean, more equally or more important is to have those conversations with your peers and when you have like at a locomoco tech companies especially for me at github companies that you know are at least having facing some of the they may not be solving the problems the same exact way but they are facing the same problems super nice to have um you know just be in that environment have those people speak be able to pick their brain um and so, yeah, those smaller, these smaller conferences, I think, are, or I shouldn't say smaller, but these uh, f- more focused in scope is what I should say, more, more narrow in scope uh, conferences, like Alaskan, you, you know, I've been, admittedly, I've been to Alaskan a while, but, you know, a few years ago and beyond, Alaskan was like that as well, so. Yeah, well, and that's, I, I don't know, like, as the industry grows up to, I think you'll see more and more of those niche conferences that come up right so this one's more like locomoco is definitely more focused on product security right and you know running security like appsec prodsec within a larger organization um as a consultant right like it uh, the day-to-day that i do wasn't really addressed at this conference right it just it it wasn't it wasn't geared towards me as a consultant which is great which is fine um uh, you know, it pushes me and my team a little bit to figure out, okay, this is exactly what our clients are actually struggling with and going through and how can we provide value? So there's other things that we take away from it rather than, oh, this is, you know, the latest approach for assessing whatever, right? Like it, it just, it's a different feel. It's a different, um, yeah, it's just a different topic, right? Uh, when it, when it boils down to it. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because your your problem set is uh, oftentimes a very different problem set. Um, yeah, and sometimes it's the same. I mean, but it's, yeah. yeah, there's. I mean, not to, you know, not you know, from a not to discount that there's a lot of uh, you know overlap between the two, um, but you know, you know, I'm not managing a large set of vulnerabilities, right, or large bug bounty programs and you know, having sources that come in, I'm generating some of that content for large companies for sure. But it's a, it's just a different management aspect that I don't necessarily get involved with as much. So I, it, it was interesting, right? Um, it was definitely, you know, kudos to, you know, yeah, Neil, Jim, the team over there, Ron, everybody and Jeremiah for putting it together and having a different focus because it's definitely needed, right? Um, I, I have to say the one thing that did amuse me 
uh, mm-hmm. was that Neil's the only person left actually living in Hawaii. <laughs> out of all the organizers i know that's true <laughs> i'm pretty sure <laughs> rod's up in idaho somewhere yeah you're right you know yeah they're all <laughs> that was that's pretty that, that was that was pretty funny and amusing because i had no idea until uh until i sat down and was chatting with neil and then it's like oh okay yeah, interesting mm-hmm. all right you know things a lot's happened over the last few, couple of years, we can say, last few years. So a couple things have happened, Seth. I don't know if you've caught, caught up with Something, any of that. I don't, but, uh, no, I, I don't know. I yeah. don't know anymore, right? Adam did bring up that Neil won both the contests, too. It was rigged, Adam, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's uh, that's awesome. No, I mean, it was... Um, it, it was, you know, obviously, uh, the conference was also kind of getting back getting getting its legs back underneath it as well you know there's there's uh speaking of things that had happened over the last few years obviously it was trying to you know get get back to the way that it had been in 2019 uh when it was kind of reaching its peak so um you know just seeing it the effort to kick started again was was nice as well so um Mm -hmm. anyways i i think one thing we were talking about is next year is like uh you know probably try to see if we can do some sponsorship um GitHub. I mean, uh, I know Microsoft did some sponsorship, but uh, yeah, I think um, more the more support the conference can get for uh, for next year, the better. And so, um, yeah, yeah. going to try and help out there, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's exciting to see it come back together. And uh, yeah, and also Kitten Cafe. So there was that. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't, how many cats did you end up with? No, none yet. Yeah, none yet. But I'm sure it's going to be two. Um, no, yeah, we there's a there's a, a kitten cafe where they it's like part of this rescue this rescue plan uh, for stray kittens. And so there's like 50 small kittens, and you can get coffee and and, and I you know this, but for those listening, but anyways, it was cool. It's like you get coffee, you book some time. If you want to adopt them, you can adopt them. Uh, they've you know been rescued and given shots and paperwork and all that stuff, so it's pretty cool. Um, anyways, <laughs> the kitten cafe aside, uh, yeah, it was, it was just overall decent experience. So I don't know if you want to recap anything else about it, or do you want to kick off into our uh, first round of news and such? No, yeah, let's let's jump into news stuff, right? Um, I did want to mention that DefCon trainings; uh, those signups are still available. Um, I'm going to drop the the link into the chat. Um, so Ken and I will be teaching our again our secure code review course after or at DefCon, but the trainings are actually after the conference as opposed to before the conference. Um, and we'd love to see you there, right? Um, it's the that's the next public uh, training that we have. Um, we do private trainings as well. For corporations there's a few of those that we have scheduled and we have upcoming but sadly we can't just allow anyone into those because they are specific to different corporations so if you're interested in that please reach out um and um you did mention lascon uh the cfp for lascon is open i don't uh, like we don't know if we're going to be training there or not yet that's that's another one that's on our radar but if any of your if the listeners are attending a conference and they would like to see us train at those conferences, let us know where they're at when they're when they you know when the CFTs go open. We are open to taking this on the road um, and training at other places, whether it's a local B sides event or whatever. Just like we did with Kernel Con and a few of the others. Now that things are opening back up, would love to get out there and see all the listeners, bring our T-shirts, and you know present and teach. Um, good. So hacker one reports, uh, this <laughs> is interesting, right? If you've been watching things over the last couple of days, this is always been kind of a, um, a worst case scenario, right? I, I don't know how you want to describe it. Right. Um, that you have trusted individuals that actually view vulnerabilities and reports as they come into different organizations, and I've always had this like underlying suspicion of, huh, what if somebody in with that has this elevated level of access to these reports decides to go off and, you know, number, they could do multiple things like they can report 
vulnerabilities through different avenues to see if they can gain money, they can try and blackmail, right? There's, there's different things that can happen once these reports are actually released. Um, but I mean, Ken, what, what, what's your impression of what happened here? Um, but we should probably do a rundown before I jump into it too far on my opinions, right? Yeah. So between April and June of this year, this, uh, to be clear, I want to make sure that actually is, uh, yeah, a- April 4th and June 23rd of, uh, which is weird given that, yeah. So anyways, they had access between April 4th and June 23rd of this year, um, to, you know, they were a hacker one employee from, from my understanding here. Uh, they basically accessed various, um, reports to then, go ahead and redistribute that same report basically to other programs or to other, you know, other companies to receive essentially bounty pavements, Um, which is honestly like I can't fathom. Yeah. I mean, obviously I can't fathom what was going through that person's head. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you, you seem, you, you know, I, I, there's, there's so much that, I mean, I don't, you know, I could probably break down here, but, uh, you know, I, I'm curious about your thoughts on, on this one, actually. Um, I know you have opinions for sure. Cause I'm still kind of just befuddled by like, yeah, yeah, I mean, he cool, definitely, like, that's not a yeah. lot of money for the long term of your career, even if that's like the one thing you are incentivized by. But yeah. anyways, yeah, it seems strange. It, it's a, it's a very career limiting move for sure. Right. Like, you know, you've been given this trusted access. I, I mean, it, there's a lot of in moment right decisions that were made here um, by you know this individual that they were taking these reports and trying to submit them to other um, other programs um, to get paid and like I, I don't know if I saw an actual value of anything that was paid out. I know there were some, there were some reports that they were doing some analysis there. Um, but kudos on Hacker One for actually releasing it and being like, "Hey, you know, we had an internal attacker." I mean, this is a, a, a like we we this goes back to the whole like threat model discussion that we have and the Crocs and socks, you know, of security type stuff is that um, you have malicious employees and you have uh, individuals that will do things um, contrary to their own best interest. And you have to protect against that, or you have to have the ability to research and, you know, recover from those sorts of attacks. Um, just because you've done a background check on someone doesn't mean that they can't turn bad uh, or they can't do something unintended or unnecessary or, you know, try to gain more money, like game the system to get for more money, which which feels like what the, what was happening here, right? Uh, the employee decided that there was a way for them to take advantage. It's almost like they're taking advantage of arbitrage, right? Hey, we see this vulnerability here. I have the platform. I can see that these other companies are using that same tech. Why don't I just submit using another site or another account and get that money back? Um, And yeah, let's see how this one plays. Resubmitting duplicate vulnerabilities to the same customers for personal gain. Yeah. Wow. And this person was the, the first level triage, which I, I don't personally much care for, you know, the, the outsourcing of your first level triage to, uh, to any platform. Uh, I just, uh, we've tried, we, I think we, I've mentioned on the podcast before, but we've, we've, we tried it and it, it just, I don't, I don't think you get the level of, uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. The nicest thing I can say is I just don't think you get the personal sort of uh, approach that, um, somebody who works for a company uh, is going to give to to the researchers that you know that first level triage won't. Well, I mean, they're just they're just kicking. Uh, not not just that has no bearing, obviously, on this this particular in- incident. I'm just saying, like as an aside, I don't really like to care for that first level triage stuff, like outsourcing that. Having said that, so so to under to understand this better, this person does first level triage. They um, resubmitted, which is like the, uh, just honestly, I, I don't even, I, I kind of question this person's intelligence, honestly, like, so they're resubmitting duplicate vulnerabilities, the same vulnerabilities back to these companies and then trying to do that for profit and thinking they're not going to get, this explains why they were there for like two months or had access for two months. Cause I mean, 
it's not going to, that kind of scheme is not going to last. Hey, listen, if you're going to break the law, at least be fucking smart about it. Right. Like, which they were not. So, uh, so it makes, it makes you wonder if there are people that are getting away oh, with this, right? Like, you know, I just saw, I just saw the one comment. I almost spit out my coffee. Bold move. God, let's see how space out for him. Yeah. Obviously it no it's worked sense. out really well. I know. Yeah. It just... makes absolutely no sense. But like, I will say to Hacker One's credit, they're like our internal logging monitors. This is their words, by the way. Our internal logging monitors employee access to customer disclosure for regular regular business operations, namely vulnerability intake and triage. Analysis of this log data suggested a likely actor soon after our internal investigation kicked off. Uh, only a single employee had access to each disclosure that our customers, customers suspected of being redisclosed by the threat actor. So like, Man, wait, this wait, 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 crime. wait, 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 wow. So, so, so logging is important. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's, that's actually, that is the point that I'm trying to raise here, but then I'm starting to piece together, like just how piss poor of a job this person did it breaking crimes or <laughs> breaking, breaking, breaking the law, <laughs> committing <Yeah>. crimes. <laughs> Can't speak. Hey, it's, it's post vacation glow. Uh, I'm i uh, I'm a little haggard, um, which makes no sense. I sw- slept for like 12 hours last night. Anyways, <laughs> I'm just now kind of putting the pieces together. So, wow. So this person in a short period of time was redisclosing to many, many programs. Like you can even see that as, as soon as somebody had said something, they, they mentioned in the first part of this paragraph that like within 30 minutes of beginning their investigation, more information came in that was like, this is definitely, this is definitely, this is definitely an internal actor, yep. which is like, how does that happen? That means that within probably 30 minutes of someone disclosing something they redisclose that same thing to a different program and i wouldn't be surprised if if it was even like a red herring report that would have been hilarious but it probably wasn't it's probably just like you know a legit report they submitted it within this period of time resubmitted within like my guess is like a 30 minute window of you know the original disclosure i don't know it's i'm the more i read i'm like this person has no clue what they're doing and it's like just yeah um yeah. yeah. Anyways, that's just bananas yeah. to me. Yeah, so, that's an interesting one. Yeah. I don't think it like <clears throat> I don't think it um makes me want to use a bug bounty program any less. I, I do think it's uh I think it's good that they were transparent. Like I do obviously believe heavily in transparency for any security incident. Like that's why do I still have this up, by the way? Sorry about that. Uh <laughs> oops. Um for those that are listening, I had a little title screen up on the, the, the window. Um, but yeah, no, I would say like, I don't know, man, it doesn't change my opinion of using a bug bounty program, but definitely it's, it's, it's cool that they're transparent and I like transparency. So good for them, but, uh, yep. wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably all we need to say on that. Right. Outside of make sure you have logs. So you know what people are doing. Right. That's, um, we got a guest, we got a guest saying hi. <laughs> Oh. Another guess. <laughs> Another guess. Yeah. <laughs> there we uh, go. Yeah, that's Harper. Well, everyone, ask, ask Harper what you know their opinion on uh, you know this is right. Let's see. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be very in depth. I don't think it's going to be <laughs> the answer we're looking for. <laughs> no worries. Um, but uh, cool. what? Did, yeah, anything else on that one or? No, I I, I just. Like I, I always go back to this on those on the like, it's a you have to if you you view your bug bounty program. It is a SaaS provider. It is outside the scope of um, your control as an organization. And so, yes, you know you trust Bugcrowd, you trust Hacking One, you you trust the platform, but along those lines, you still have to be realistic with what's coming in, and realize that there is a threat involved with them having that vulnerability information just like you know anyone else having access to it right um like it it yeah it also makes me like you know rewind a little bit and sorry if i'm discompopulated today as well right like i just feel like we're getting back into it's jet lag you know it's Uh, jet lag it's travel it's a lot of extroverting that we just did for a week it takes yeah. a lot out of you. The you know, even like 
consulting organizations, like third parties that provide you know, reports to you have access to potentially sensitive data, right? Like if I find a critical issue with a, with a company, um, like I'm viewing that as probably the most sensitive information that we hold as an organization, as a consulting organization, because if that gets out, if I like post that online or, you know, some other way, like that gets disclosed, my consulting org is on the hook for it. Right. Um, which, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I think internally from an organization, you've just got to think through that, right? Like what happens when, you know, a bug bounty researcher finds a critical vulnerability? What protections do you have if they decide that they're not going to disclose it, right? That's the whole incentive of a bug bounty program, but you're also allowing that access to come in through there. And the same thing goes for any consulting org or whatever else, which is the same. I mean, it's the reason why I get hit with so many like uh, risk assessments and third party risk assessment questionnaires because it is like it it comes, it, it becomes critical data when we, when and if we do find something. So So let me ask you this. Do you think there will be in the future, a case where a consultant is double dipping, where they're where there's they're submitting bones, and then, yeah, on the the side they're submitting that same bone over to a company's hacker one or bug crowd. Or, but yeah, y- yeah, yeah, bug y- crowd. Y- you you mean I shouldn't be doing that? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, terrible, <laughs> <laughs> terrible. No, <laughs> bold move, no. Cotton. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. I'll just copy I would and hope paste not, the item. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I would hope not because you know you, those consultants should be a trusted org. Um, yeah, but but, but I imagine some, some shitty point, stuff with consulting. Yeah, I, I mean, you can imagine it happening, um, and it's not out of the realm of possibility to see that same vulnerability pop up in multiple places. Um, yeah, I I don't know though, man. I, like, it's just a. Yeah, I, I, I think you will eventually see it. I don't know if it'll actually go public, but I think you will see it eventually. I see. I think that would be a harder. I think it would be. I think in this case, it's easier with Hacker One, where they're like, "Ah, oh, it's two months. Mm-hmm. You know, we made a bad call. You know, but we have all this stuff and like logging, and we know what they're they you know accessed, and we can go and fix things. And at the end of the day, it's you know you can always refund companies or whatever, right? Like you you know. But however. When it's a consultancy doing it, man, that's that's a different that's a different yeah. reputation hit, I would say. Yeah. So well, it's a different different reputation hit. I mean, that I I would be surprised if it was like principals at a consulting company that were doing that, right? Yeah, well, no, for sure. Lower level. Younger, newer, yeah. yeah. More or not younger. Less experienced. Yeah. Because Sorry, it's, it's getting dark in here. It's about the storm outside. Yeah. I mean, because of the reputational risk that's involved, right? Like uh, consultants, bread and butter is being able to provide services across the board. That happens once and it gets out, you're done, right? Like you just no longer can provide that service. Yeah. We totally nuke yourself as a, uh, uh, yeah, it would totally ruin your career for sure. Yeah. Cool. All right. what What do we want to talk about next? (laughs) <laughs> do, do, do you want to go into the? Do you want to do the the Chinese hack? Uh, hack? Uh, do you want to talk about Sans top twenty or Sans CWE top twenty five? I'm good with either. I actually wanted to talk a little bit about um, the sixty. The so from Clint Gibbler's newsletter TLDR sec. The uh, 60 RCs and 60 seconds or something like that, uh, or 1,000 ways to pwn prod or whatever it was, some, something along those lines. But uh, um, okay. uh, yeah, sorry, it's a tale of 60 RCE in 60 minutes, 1,001 ways to pwn prod. So let me put this into StreamYard. Uh, yeah, so I'll put it up there. Well... It's on the screen, but you're not going to be able to, I'll, I'll take that off shortly. Cause it's uh yeah. Who's, who's going to be writing that? But anyways, the, the links there, I'll put it in uh, our Slack as well. Uh, just did it. Cool. Um, anyways, what I thought was cool. Uh, let's go into it. 
So this is a basically a talk where where they describe you know all these different ways to get remote code execution um, using different techniques, right? Now, what's funny is I thought this was this was like right up uh, your alley actually um, because you deal with a lot more JSP, a lot more sort of that um, things that do deal with XML and SOAP and things like that, right? That's what a lot of yeah. this kind of Kind of bases itself on you do see some wordpress if i'm not mistaken in here you obviously see some uh, like i said you got jsp and java um yeah quite a bit of different interesting things but um it's it's a, a bunch of different ways to the, the, you know describing how to, how to break in right so sometimes it's as simple as uh you know i can use ssrf to remotely call out and pull in like a web shell um and like so one of the examples, uh, one of the slides talks about using, oh, they, they found the, uh, they found access to the logs inside the logs. They had like an administrative, um, uh, administrative set of credentials logged in through the administrative credentials, created a web shell file, um, had a, or excuse me, a, uh, created really a, a web shell processing file, I should say. Um, and then created a uh, hidden form field on a uh, HTML page that took a command. And then you could basically, you know, send your command off in that hidden form field, um, have it executed by the web shell processor logic. And you have remote code shell, uh, sorry, excuse me, remote code execution. And there, there's, these are essentially each one of these slides There's sort of a story of how they, they did that. And I think it's, so first of all, we should probably acknowledge the actual person that wrote this, which was at at the Laluca. I'm going to put their Twitter uh, link here in Streamyard. Um, so first of all, I'll acknowledge that person for their work. That's amazing. Uh, nice job. Uh, here it is. There's their Twitter Twitter handle. Um, and. Uh, before anyone says anything, yes, I'm I'm fully uh, aware of their 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 thoughts about uh, the the Microsoft acquisition of GitHub. If you go through their Twitter <laughs> account, it's right there. <laughs> Can't miss it. So yes, before you say anything, yes, I know about it, but I don't care. Their research is really cool. So, um, <clears throat> anywho, so these this reads why I think this is interesting, Seth, is it reads sort of like a lot of what we've done in pen tests and, and vulnerability assessments and, and code reviews. And yes, those are three different distinct activities, FYI, for those listening. But uh, it, it's very cool. It, I mean, you're talking about taking things like SQL injection. Um, like I said, uh, XXE. So like the handling of, of uh, XML content. Um, just like even just exposed sensitive log in, like pages that like we were talking about this. Um, I don't know if we, I think it was actually during this training course where it was like, you know, you have a, you have a page that um, it's built in right to like Tomcat or something like that. And then you, you can access it unauthenticated. You see the logs, the logs have like not, not necessarily credentials, but like sessions in the, the logs. Cause it's, you know, capturing the URLs that have been requested and session IDs especially with Java seem to make their way into URLs. And the next thing you know, you're escalating from there. Um, you know, now you're authenticated and you're just, you know, maybe an administrator and you're going on from there and you're escalating, escalating, escalating. And that's what a lot of this reads, reads like. It's a really fun read. I, obviously I can't cover every slide. We can't cover every slide on here, but um, yeah, very, very cool stuff. I, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to check it out yet. Yeah. I, I, I mean, and th that's my takeaway. What am I? my takeaway on it is that there's this is great for just becoming familiar with different approaches on how people and how consultants would go about exploiting a system. Um, and like it all kind of comes back to the initial discovery that we go through with, from um, figuring out what platforms being used, what versions of different frameworks are being used and exploiting defaults that are built into those to then chain things together for full remote code execution. Um, when, it, when it comes down to it and we're doing a source code review or something else, we typically don't do a full you know, RCE attack in most of these situations, right? 
Um, and that's, that's usually just based on the scope of what we're performing and what we're trying to fix. Um, but it's, you'll, you'll see like snippets of, oh, it looks like there's an, you know, server-side request forgery that's going on here. It'll pull data down and then execute it. Um, or you use a different mechanism to actually execute that. And it's chaining of three or four different vulnerabilities in order to actually execute that RCE. Um, but, you know, being familiar with the underlying framework and um, technology is what really leads to most of this RCE, right? Um, yeah. 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 I mean, unpatched, unpatched stuff. I mean, so they have a, they have takeaways at the very last like slides 59 and 60 of this presentation. And basically it's funny too, because it's like the same stuff that we talk about looking for in source code review. Uh, a lot of it's the similar, similar stuff that we care about, especially when we talk about like uh, injection bits. Um, so they talk about string concatenation. So sorry, be su super careful with, and then they list out five different things. So serialization, which ding, ding, ding. Absolutely. Serialization can be such a painful uh, thing if done incorrectly or you using the incorrect serialization library. Um, PDF. So the second one is PDF rendering. Yeah, absolutely. Um, PDF rendering can be ripe with, with issues. Um, file write and upload features. That's one we always talk about again. And there's mm -hmm. a reason like this is, this is one that's famously done. Yep. Yeah. Just famous. I even when the, even when S3 is used, sometimes they cache, sometimes, you know, it's the, the read issue, right. Where it's, it's like allowing user input to, to, to declare where the reads coming from. Um, sometimes it's even if, you know, even if everything else has been done, right. Sometimes S3's policies wrong or whatever file, you know, Azure blob storage or whatever you're using. Uh, so in any case, it's sort of like, you know, um, it's right. It's yeah. This is another area that's very concerning. String concatenations, fourth thing, string concatenations. Absolutely. Anytime you see interpolations or concatenations and it's used to build the con, uh, the content that's going to be passed to the system to do some operation, there's room for confusion, right? That's, that's ultimately what we talk about too, is that injection is just confusion. It's just not understanding the system not understanding what was intentional and what was just variable data that is like now considered part of the, the command. And it shouldn't have been, it should have been just some piece of data to form the command um, or variable data. And the last one, the fifth one is stack traces. Um, yep. And stack traces are, again, this is something we talk about. Stack traces are in and of themselves very problematic depending on what, you know, what they're what they're producing so we've seen everything from and this is within like the last year seen everything from like debug mo mode on in a Django app if you can believe it to say like uh i talked about it before where um uh, a library that you know once it wasn't given the proper input on one of the parameters uh it dumped out oauth uh, client id in secret um, you know, yeah, I'm sure you have other examples of the, over the last year of stack trace, stack traces going wrong. <laughs> it's pr pretty common. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I was just, uh, looking through those, like then asking about safe prod. I did love that too. avoid to the maximum PHP in Java. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's my favorite. I, I mean, the whole presentation, I think it would have been entertaining to be there and listen to him to talk about it because he's just bolting through so many failures. Right. But yeah. like just that in and of itself, I'm like, yep. Right. Like we see, I, I, it, I have seen PHP and Java done well. But with the caveat that I've seen it done poorly so many times, it's hard to recommend that, right? If somebody's coming with, coming to me asking, hey, Greenfield, like what tech should I use to build out this application? Uh, yeah, like, okay, you, you start talking about Go, you start talking about type safe languages, you start talking about you know, like other things, you know, uh, opinionated frameworks that eliminate a lot of the issues that you have in PHP and Java, right? So, yeah. Yeah. ORM. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, so that's segmentation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They talk about that on the second slide, right? Which is yeah. use a <clears throat> Golang or Rust backend, which, um, 
yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, yeah sure. I mean, it's fine enough. And I don't think it has to be going or rust, but I get the point. The point is for it to be, you know, pretty explicit in what it's going to be performing. And limited. Uh, yep. And yep. limited. Yeah. Compiled into a single stripped binary. I get that. That's fine. Uh, so that one, okay, yeah, it's pretty good. You know, I wouldn't, but I get it. I, the point is to just have like a really safe API on the background, uh, back end. The second one is a React front end that mitigates most of the XSS. Yeah, that, that can work. Um, not always. Obviously, sometimes, you, you know, like take us, for example, like we've got a lot of markdown to HTML and that's got to be rendered in, in React. And, you know, that, so it's not perfect. There are things you can do to make React even safer if you have to use like raw HTML. Um, but in any case, like, so React isn't always the, 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 the right answer, but I don't, you know, you can't, this is not the point of this slide. It's not to always, it's just like, here's some ideas, right? So yeah, that's pretty good. And ORM using the backend for every database request, mostly, I think that's fine. I think we have definitely like, if again, like we always point to go to rails, sqli.org, rails hyphen sqli.org. And you'll see that not every ORM is perfect for sure. In fact, most ORMs can be used unsafely, uh, even if they have safe methods. So again, if they have safe functions, they can still oftentimes be used unsafely. So you still have to do your homework there. But I get the point is to not write raw SQL, which I think is, I, th I think that's the point, right? I would assume. Yeah, yeah it is. It is, right? Um, then it talks about increasing segmentation one service by minimalistic container. So I really agree with that hardcore I, lo I love the idea of segmentation i also like the idea of being able to in that case wait 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 you, you say that but isn't isn't rails a monolith i just yeah no, never mind <laughs> yeah yeah it is yeah it is i'm just, I'm just giving you crap right? no no it's totally you're right it is um a monolith but uh i think more so in the the sense of a network segmentation yeah. i think in this network case segment. and then yep. And that's really the, the the point I think is super critical here for for preventing uh, server side request forgery. I think that's mm -hmm. the, the that's the big one. If you can be very specific about what uh, a container is allowed to talk to and uh, not allow well, anything else, that's amazing. That, that's a good start for SSRF for prevention. Yeah, and and actually, you look at this list, right? And maybe we should display it really quick because it, it yeah, it's it's pretty that. it's pretty useful. Um, but I'm looking at this, and each one of these is actually it goes back to that discussion or that uh, um, presentation that Clint Gibbler has given, right, on eliminating eliminating vulnerability classes. Right. Ignore that update uh, button on my my browser. That's just because I just got back. Okay, don't judge uh, me. I sure, just, I just haven't had time. I turned my computer on right before this podcast, so I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure I woke I woke Ken up this morning to to do the podcast. So yeah, <laughs> he kind of did. No, he didn't wake <laughs> me up. I I had just woken up. I was like, oh, I gotta get up. <laughs> But for, for those yeah. that don't know, the, our, our, the company uh, gave us the, the the entire company gave us the week off the, this week. So we're well, shoot, I should have said that uh, still checking <laughs> in on everything. So don't try anything. But uh, no. But uh, anyways, <laughs> that's why I slept in and that and jet lag. Holy cow. Anyways, back to the list. What were you saying? No. I, so each of these, it, it's they're focused on different vulnerability classes, right? Like each of these recommendations. So he's gone through the list and he's like, oh, you know, I'm able to do X, Y, and Z because of injection. So how do we eliminate injection? Like on the back end, oh, first of all, the ORM stuff for SQL injection, React front end on the front for XSS, um, and then SSRF style stuff like segmentation, uh, you know, we'll eliminate that in addition to these. But it, they're all like focused on, if you eliminate vulnerability classes and concentrate on reducing that risk, you like an attacker, what he's done in this presentation, um, you have, um, you have eliminated one step in the, in the kill chain, right. Or in the ability, in the exploit chain, the ability to execute this RCE. And that's all that it really takes to eliminate like that critical risk in your application is, you know, taking away that one avenue to get through it. Um, and it, it, it does take this systematic approach, but eliminating those vulnerability classes by implementing these sorts of recommendations 
are like are, are extremely effective. That's all. That's all. That's what I was getting to there. No, I, I agree. Like if you're, if those, and those should be honestly big priority, like the ones we talked about, like SSRF, SQL injection, you know, those should be, those should be high priority for sure. Um, in terms of prevention. I mean, I think the, 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 the last few here, one, the last, the last few, like five through seven. Um, yeah. I could see, yeah, I mean, definitely a WAF isn't like the worst thing in the world for sure. I mean, six is like, dude, yeah, come on, please update things. You absolutely have to update things like that's, that's a, that's a big one. Um, But it it can be difficult at scale, which we obviously saw when everyone had to upgrade struts or everyone had to, you know, react to log4j or whatever. There were, there were definitely some issues there. Um, with with reacting and, and just even knowing what assets were what right like they think that was probably I would have to guess anyways a realization for a lot of a lot of companies was probably you know hey we don't really have a great I guess what I'm trying to say is you need to have great asset inventory skills or experience or abilities or whatever abilities in order to also then update things and make sure that they're correctly updating as well um and then the last one that makes sense: security audits, security trainings. I mean, I think uh, they should be. If, okay, if I'm giving my personal opinion here, I think security audits should be very pinpointed on exactly what you need. And I think you need to give your auditors, you need to set your auditors up for as much success as possible because that's only. I mean, that's it sounds obvious, but yeah, you're not going to get a great assessment if you're not willing to share code or you're not willing to give them, you know, say a staging environment to test against as well or you know, uh, God forbid doing that stupid shit where people like plant backdoor code and then, you know, or plant some, you know, known malicious code. And then they're like, Oh, did they catch it? Stuff like that. You know, it's, I mean, but more importantly, I think scoping, giving somebody, I think the worst thing you can do is overly like giving an overly broad scope, like keep it very well scoped, know exactly what you're trying to get out of your security audit and not try to say like, here's my whole website, make sure it's secure. That's, you know, problematic i mean obviously these are i'm painting in broad strokes but yeah and then security training again i think that even that i think training has to be what are you looking for for your developers you want them to be good at threat modeling you want them to do secure like do peer reviews and look for secure code flaws do you want them to have a general knowledge base about the OWASP top 10 or some general web security stuff or you know are we talking no we want to go in the weeds on uh you know, how to securely handle file uploads and downloads. And, you know, it's just, honestly, you have to figure out what you're looking for and be very specific in it. So these are all yeah. pretty good recommendations with some yeah. caveats. Yep. Well, and I, I, I don't know. I like how many times, I don't know if you get this question often recently, but I, I have a tendency because I'm dealing with a lot of startups that are trying to build out some sort of application security or prod security program. And that's always the the initial question is where should I start, right? Like, what's the first thing I should do? And um, I mean, this list is, you know, a safe place to actually, you know, um, is a, is a good list of recommendations um, just in, in general, like, you know, because it does feed back to, Hey, you have an inventory of, you know, what's on your, like what applications you're actually producing, you know, what software you're using. So you have some sort of policy that's there. Um, you're, you know, you're putting in some tech, right? Like it's a multi-pronged approach. Uh, but in general, it's all, it's also um, abstract enough that you can apply it as needed, right? You know, based on what your threat is and based on what your, uh, what the company needs are, um, because there is no one size fits all approach there there just never will be so yeah no it, 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 yeah that's why we have that's why we have jobs yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why i have a job right it's not yeah if you could if you could just put it in a box and make it easy it'd be great but it doesn't exist so um yeah cool man i don't know what else you want to check we've got a couple articles other articles we can chat about um <laughs> the China hack is crazy. That's wild to me. Like, but honestly, like I, the more I've read, the more I'm like, I feel like this is just some random person who was, you know, 
doing this the 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 China lab thing, you know, where we have our China labs and just like found that they could access that information. It feels accidental. It feels like they were messing around. But anyways, what like have you read anything up about any of all this and whole one billion people's information being stolen? Or have you seen what kind of information was actually being stored about them? I think that might even be more concerning. <laughs> That's yeah, honestly. I, I, I like I haven't dug into it that much, right? So like I'm I'm a, I'm pretty noob walking into it, right? Like I just I know it's gone on the last couple of days, but with jet lag and everything like that, I haven't I haven't dug that much into it outside of oh crap, it looks like a bunch of data was leaked and mm. somebody got access to it. How they so it was did. the Shanghai police uh, okay. database yeah. that yeah. helps clarify. And yep. the person that stole the records, several billion records, uh, wants to <laughs> wanted 10 Bitcoin, which um, I, I feel like you could shoot higher. And also you <laughs> yeah. should realize how quickly Bitcoin's value is going down right now. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know if I maybe ask for more. But but anyways, <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna yeah, if you're gonna commit, you know, crime, go hey, go go, go all in, yeah, yeah, go all in, you know. <laughs> they want two hundred two thousand dollars. Anyways, uh, I guarantee you, uh, someone would be willing to pay more than two hundred. A private person would be willing to pay more than two hundred two thousand dollars. Anyway, whatever. Money aside, um, so what the weird thing about this this data though is it has it has fields uh, in in them. You know about an individual that refers to things like their like stuff getting delivered to them, their food order details, a bunch of creepy shit like that. And man, it's just I, I'm like, okay, yeah, another breach, more information stolen. Um, this time stolen out of China, which was interesting, I think. But man, it's more, it's more like, what? Why are why why is this information? You know. I mean, I think we we know why, but it's just it's just creepy the level of surveillance, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, um, well what are your I, thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I mean the the one. Well, did you post the article? Like we. The, oh, I didn't. Yeah, jeez, I should probably do that, which, huh? Which one are you looking? There's at? two articles actually. So there's the first one, which is like kind of this happened, and then there's a the second one, which is like follow up with more information. So let me go and find this this little bit here. Why? Doing that. Uh, okay, first one is on Bloomberg. Um, da, da, da. All right, so this is the first one, and let me post it in our regular Slack. Yeah, my and, biggest my biggest yeah. takeaway reading through that first article initially was that um, the the breach was. Uh, far more straightforward it appears a software developer l- left an access key visible in an online code repository <laughs> and they just downloaded it using the access key so it wasn't even really like it's it's credential theft <laughs> but it's basically oh whoops i posted my alibaba cloud or whatever like access key to a forum or to github or something like that somebody found it and pulled down the data right that's yeah yeah yeah. So, no. Yeah. Right. So, which which is like it felt like I said it felt like somebody was just playing around. It like somebody was just kind of, you know, looking for stuff, seeing you know, kind of like I said, using the using the the old China lab, right, um, to proof out whatever they were they were messing with, and they came across this. Um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, super yeah. interesting. That's you know um, m- m- most uh, file and data services have something that's export data or backup data, right? Like that is functionality that exists. So if somebody gets access to your account, it's gone. Which is yeah, it, yeah, it seems like that's exactly what happened here. Um, but I don't know. Is that uh, is that what that second article? Um, so the second yeah. article just kind of talks a little bit more about. Um, you know, yeah. So they were they were basically saying, yeah, it was leaked by sloppiness, not hacking. Did I post the second article? Hold on. No, I don't think I did. There's a second article. Both are on Bloomberg, which is not where I normally get my my source of uh, Sorry, my news 
sources, but uh, for today it'll work. Um, yeah, no, the second one's just kind of saying it was about, yeah, sloppiness, um, which I assume refers to leaking of the, well, hold on. This says it's likely the information was extracted by accessing a poorly configured server. So wait, wait, which one was it? Um, now I'm confused. Uh, cause I don't have, I actually can't see that. Hold on. Let me see. Oh, yeah. yeah I can. All right. So yeah, it's interesting. Huh. So there's information posted online in the case the database was run by the Shanghai police hosted on a server operated by Alibaba holding. So they're, they're Ali cloud. Um, there's no suggestion that Ali cloud is responsible for any security vulnerabilities. Hold on. Um, yeah. Some of that second article is repeated from the first one. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is why that, yeah, they're just like, again, this is why Bloomberg isn't the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm looking for other articles now to give more information. Da, da, da. Another sample set include police case records. Da, da, da. All right. Um, hmm. Yeah. So, I where did you see? Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just looking looking at other places, like how much we're actually going to get on how it how it how it happened. What was your question? Where did I see the? That's exactly what my my question was. Um, well, yeah, it was. I mean, it was in there, basically in that. Um, yeah, where was it at? I'm looking here. Yeah. Um, I mean, even as of yesterday, they they say the true scope of the leak is unknown. Um, no one's hmm. paid the the ten Bitcoin yet, right? And as of yesterday, too, they say yeah. it's not clear yet how the hacker infiltrated the police database. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's speculation, like you know, that oh, they found a key, we're able to get in, and like I don't know if it was an SSH key or something like that, um, or if it was some sort of Ollie Ollie Cloud, you know access key that they then use to access either the server or the database that was associated with it. Cause yeah, they say, but may have been hosted on a server operated by Alibaba, Alibaba holding group limited's Ali cloud. Yeah. So I, I mean, it's due, still due, due to days. a bug in an elastic search deployment by a government agency. Ooh, really? That's what, that's what this latest, that's what I'm reading right now says from, uh, the CEO of Binance. Um, the CEO of Binance? Why is the CEO of Binance commenting on this? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, they're cool. threat because they've got threat intelligence uh, element to them. Cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. Getting delivery addresses and instructions for drivers, um, personal information, phone numbers, crime. Uh, da, da, da. According to the Wall Street Journal, five people confirmed all the data include case cells hard to find from any other source in the police. Um, China's vowed to improve data privacy. <laughs> yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> That's where I go for my privacy. Uh, yeah, so anyways. Um, yeah, not a ton of information, but here's another article in case anybody wants to read up more. So I'll just be interested to follow this one, see where it goes, what else comes of it and what we learn. Um, yeah. But in the meantime, it's just more of like, oh, wow, this is just, I don't know. Again, I wasn't so interested in the breach so much as like what was in the breach, I think is the, the part that, again, like I think we all have a, in the security community, especially have a, have a growing concern uh, about, you know, the treatment of human beings and uh, how technology is playing a part in that and um are, are monitoring it obviously um so yeah anytime stuff like this comes up i know i'm interested yep. yeah for sure i yeah i definitely am and, and the scope on this one is huge too right a billion uh, a billion citizen records is like i, I mean <laughs> that's what yeah 20 percent of the world's population right you know what i mean like that's at this point it goes back to it uh always goes back to that discussion we had with uh jerry is it jerry back in the day 
on like if, if a breach happens, does anyone care anymore? Right. Like, you know, the scope has to be huge, right? A billion, like we're talking about it because it's a billion records. If it was only a million nowadays, like that happens so often, but it's just that would a be drop a blip. in a bucket. Yeah. Like we would, we, it wouldn't no even would be, yeah, no one would notice it would not be all over the news. Um, but we have large Honestly, organizations. If it was a million. Yeah. If it was a million of crypto st- stolen, no one would care. Yeah, right? exactly. Was, no. <laughs> I mean, if it was it, honestly, if it was 20 million, people probably wouldn't care. It has to reach like the, you know, the hundreds they're, of millions for people to care. Anyways, it's breaches, it's just, whether it's crypto yeah. or personal information are just prevalent. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, we'll watch this one to see, right? Like, it's obviously like being in the, you know, Western world is a little harder to, you know, parse that data from what we have. Um, but I, I'll, I'll put an intern on it, right? Like we'll, we'll see if he can, he can decipher any of the data that's coming out of it. So um, yeah, I don't know, man. Um, we have been going for like an hour. So uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and call it for today. But any last thoughts before we, we close things out? Yeah. Let's end it on a positive note. What was your favorite, uh, what was your favorite um tour or place you visited uh in oahu while we were there for locomoco on oahu um (laughs) yeah um the comment that just came in before i get to that it it is so alarming how many crypto wallets or nfts are emptied and just doesn't hit the mainstream yeah it is um like if, if you're if you're watching that space at all you see it happen daily right like if not weekly that there's small scale attacks going on and stuff being drained and malicious crypto contracts and all sorts of stuff that that happens that you know never gets reported on so yeah anyway uh, as far as oahu goes right like um i i would say like the north shore getting up there to a little bit out of the city. Honolulu is definitely a big city, right? Um, so there's advantages there from a food perspective and just the options. Like we had some amazing food uh, while we were there. Um, but as far as like beach, what you think of as Hawaii, uh, getting up to the North shore, watching the surfers and actually going around like the East side, it was, it was pretty incredible just to, you know, enjoy the ocean and the, and the kind of that, aloha spirit whatever you want to call it that's up around there i don't know what about you outside of the cat cafe right what did you like (laughs) yeah you're right though too like when you're in the city it's it's like it's a city it's hustle and bustle people are i mean i had a Uh couple experiences where people were straight up rude like as if it was new york city it was basically new york city next to a beach right and then you get up to north shore and it's totally different it's more of like like you said what you expect uh like or what, what, yeah, what you would expect traveling to Hawaii is more relaxed, stuff like that. Um, gosh, I wasn't prepared for you to ask me that question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess, I, well, yeah, Pearl Harbor probably, just from a historic perspective, I guess. But uh, North Shore would be like really neck and neck with it. North Shore was, yeah, same. I like North Shore a lot better. Yeah. I, I mean, we so. I didn't have a, a ton of time over there. I know you had a little bit longer, but those couple of days of just exploring along the coast and, you know, different like beach parks and yeah, it was, it was good. It's good for the soul to get away, to take a little bit of time, right? Like, and I oh, remember let me why give, we do these things. Yeah. Let me give everyone a pro tip. If you do visit Oahu, and you are like, I want to go to the Dole Plantation. Go there to get a photo out front of it and then leave. There's nothing else there for you. It's, so, it's just... It's so, it's so... It's... it's, it's it, I Honestly, I don't know what else to say. Just get a photo out front of it. You know, maybe go buy a pineapple inside and, you know, you can leave. And then call it good. <laughs> That's what I would say. <laughs> we, we we commented on this because it was like we drove past the the Dole Plantation and there were huge lines and buses and right like all sorts of people were like yeah for we nothing man we can see the fields of growing pineapple all right we know how pineapples grow 
that's all we needed. And we just kept driving yeah. past. So I couldn't figure out why everyone, yeah, why it was a thing. But whatever, you know, to each his I own, did the right? train. I did the maze, which isn't a maze because, you know, a maze is, has one entrance and one exit. And this is like walking around in shrubs in the broad daylight when it's 90 degrees out. Anywho, I would just say, feel free to hard pass on that one and just get your photo and move on. So, and also like they're the, well, whatever, I'm not gonna go on. But yeah, uh, that's just a pro tip for anyone out there. Um, but yeah, I, I think like to your point, North, North Shore is probably where you want to go to. Yep. So have a car if you if you visit, get a rental car. Yep. Yeah. Anyways, enough tourist advice for uh, from us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back to absolute tourism with uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll be back next. I think. Yeah, maybe not next week, or we may do. A, we might a night shuffle the schedule season. around for the next couple of weeks, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, we've got some trainings that are ongoing and some other stuff that's popped up, um, but we we will record. Uh, we'll get some people on. I know Logi wants to come back on as well, and, yes. and talk about some threat modeling stuff. So you know, maybe we'll let him and Brian run one, and just go for it. So, um, but yeah, yeah, let's reach out to Brian. Yeah. If you have anything that you would like to um, talk about, please jump into the Slack channel. Uh, you know, we got a bunch of good, you know, smart people in there that are, you know, smarter than we are. So uh, you know, ask your questions. But if you have specific topics or specific guests you'd like to see on the show, reach out to us. Otherwise, we appreciate the feedback. We appreciate the interactions. And we'll talk to everybody soon. Thank you. All right. Ciao.